Hello, I'm James Fitzsimons and welcome to The Career Scoop, a podcast all about career progression, advice and experiences in assisting those who are in career transition. Today, my guest is Mitch Blazier, who has more than 40 years of accomplishments in international insurance markets and co-founded Next Generation Speciality Insurer Mosaic, launched in 2021. Previously, Mitch joined Robert Clements as a founding executive to launch Bermuda-based Ironshore with $1 billion in private equity capital in 2006 and helped drive its growth to become a global property and casualty insurer with over 800 employees in 15 nations. He held key roles during the company's evolution, including COO of Ironshore Inc., CFO and CEO of Ironshore Bermuda, and CEO of Iron Star Excess Agency and Iron Serve. In 2017, Ironshore was acquired by Liberty Mutual Group and he became Chief Transformation Officer. Formerly, Mitch was CFO for Swiss Re Americas and part of the leadership team at Marsh Inc. Mitch, it's great to have you on the Career Scoop. All the way you're sitting, I see in Bermuda at the moment, Hamilton, with a beautiful sunshine and blue seas in the back. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's great to be here. What can I tell you? Uh, I've been here for 16 years now, so um, uh, I, I won't say I'm getting used to it because the beauty is something you appreciate every day. Yeah, that's good. And, and in the world at the moment, you know, it's funny how lucky we all are. We take the, we're now starting to look at the really simple things that uh, are kind of important uh, in that sense. So listen, just to kick off, I said, I really appreciate you coming, coming on board. Would you share a quick overview I know, I know you're 40 years in the business of your career to date. Really, the highs and lows, any, any, what you're proud of, any funny stories you can share with our listeners? Well, I'll tell you how I got started. Um, it's, um, it's, a, it's a way of, um, when you think about life, it's more about um, what happens to you while you're planning for something else. And when I was um, a graduate from college, um, my family had a business and they, they, but they said, before you come into the business, you need to, uh, get some experience. And I assumed that would be a very short term, uh, tenor somewhere, uh, kind of get my feet under a desk and get out of there. Um, and so I went one day on two interviews, uh, was Marsha McLennan, Marsh and, uh, Dun & Bradstreet. And I was coming in from, um, Westchester through Grand Central, and Dun and Bradstreet was downtown, and Marsh was in uh, in Midtown near the train station. Uh, they both offered me staff accounting jobs, and I I took the Marsh job because it was closer to the train station, and I didn't want to have to take an extra subway or something like that. And uh, um, and so since it was short term, you know that I'd be there. That was my uh, my career decision uh, of the moment. And it ended up being 28 years. So, um, uh, you know, go figure how you end up, where you end up. I was never thinking of insurance. Uh, I was never thinking of a career at Marsh. And uh, it ended up being a, a very long-term, a very fruitful uh, experience. That is great. So basically, you got off the stop before the stop. You might have got off. And that was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was it. Yeah, I think there's a movie, Sliding Doors. You never know what stop you're going to get off at uh, and what uh, it's going to do to your life. 
I, I love that. And tell us about what you're doing in Bermuda now. I know you've, you've, you have a new company you set up about a year year and a bit ago, I think, with some, some private equity behind you. Right. Yeah, so I, I came to Bermuda end of 06 and the, um, as the first uh, employee uh, founder of um, a company called Ironshore. And uh, we had a great run uh, with private equity backing, eventually sold it to uh, the Chinese uh, uh, company called Fosun, and then um, uh, subsequently sold it again to uh, Liberty Mutual. And uh, so it was about, uh, you know, 2007, say, if you count that as the launch date, around 2017 was that end of that uh, year was the second sale to Liberty Mutual. I stayed on for two years as the chief transformation officer for Liberty Mutual, and then um, left and started a new company, which we call Mosaic. And uh, through COVID was getting it kind of set up and we launched uh, 13 months ago. And how's it, how's it going so far? You know, we have an unexpected tailwind from the marketplace. There's, it's unprecedented. In fact, never in history have um, rates in the insurance business uh, uh, continually improved over an 18 quarter uh, timeframe. And that's the quarter we're in right now. And it doesn't seem like it's letting up. The world is getting a lot riskier. There's a lot more, uh, as I don't have to tell you about uncertainty, social unrest, and of course the conflicts such as uh, uh, the sad situation in the Ukraine, uh, all of which you know requires solutions and support from uh, the insurance market. So we have to rise to that occasion and find solutions to help our clients and uh, and and just in general uh, the the people of the world in very difficult areas of um, risk and exposure. When I was sitting in your office two weeks ago, you explained to me about your AI. Um, the, I was going to say the magic bag of AI. I don't think you can say the magic bag of AI because <laughs> AI is AI. But in a sense, how that how that supports the underwriting, how that supports the human, who who in effect historically has had a feel, has f- facts and stats, has a gut and experience. Well, where does the AI, how does the AI affect or support that human? Well, I'll start by saying that, you know, in starting insurance companies, and this is my second one, but obviously there's been hundreds over, over the course of uh, the last probably 20 years. The, the difference is that this particular time of our uh, entry into the market it's actually just as important to not have a legacy infrastructure as it is to not have a legacy balance sheet. Most insurance businesses are started because uh, other companies' balance sheets are so impaired that there's a market opportunity. That, of course, you know, is stimulated by COVID. But what we have that's unique is by not having an infrastructure, not having a technology you know, web from old uh, legacy technology, we're able to leverage new technology and take advantage of things such as AI as you're re- referencing. And for us, the AI aspect of what we do is really on the very front end of underwriting because underwriters, particularly in our lines of business, are very technical, have to be very knowledgeable about their business lines, a ton of experience, decision-making, and how they uh, make those decisions from an underwriter perspective really is based upon data and analytics. So what you can do now is you can create algorithms that actually support each line of business and each underwriting area's focus so that 
data can come in from the brokers, be uh, think of it as going through filters and being analyzed and brought to an underwriter's desk with the information and the analytics that that underwriter needs to make the underwriting decisions. Plus, uh, as the, the algorithms you know, uh, and the AI works with the underwriters, it actually gets smarter. It learns that, oh, you know, you really want to have information from some external database. It will go and pluck it from there and bring it to his and add it to the mix and, and or some other data from our data lake. It'll literally fish it out and also put it into uh, the framework of the analytics that that underwriter needs and gets. So the underwriter gets obviously more efficient, more responsive to the market, uh, aligns their appetite more directly with what the risks and exposures are, and can make better informed decisions in their underwriting process. So AI is a very big front end uh, to um, uh, what underwriters can and will be doing in the future. And in our business, we can start off with that because we don't have any encumbrances from existing systems. So that, that, I suppose, with the untutored eye of mine, that gives you a big advantage at one level because you can, you see what the current is, you see what the lens, you can give different lenses to your clients. In fact, via your underwriters, say, well, here's here's how it presents. Whereas the traditional model can't do that because it's it's based on maybe hard data, which is not not fluid data. Yes, and you know again. It also depends on the kinds of risks that you underwrite. Our uh, lines of business are what we call unmodeled, meaning they're not commoditized and they're not just uh, taking 100 years of history and based upon the model, telling the underwriter, this is what you, you know, what your parameters are. In our business lines, every risk has to be evaluated uh, on its own merits and in terms of its own dimensions. And therefore, having the facilitation of the technology to support that really uh, advances the ball and helps you uh, navigate much quicker and uh, much more effective and efficiently and, and, and I would say accurately in terms of your response. So if you were talking to a couple of younger, younger people, they don't have to be younger, obviously, who say, I want to be younger than me, so it's fine. <laughs> well, I've, I, 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 I think I shared, I have a father-in-law who's 97. Uh, coming up in, in September, and he's booked his holidays already. Right, you found an exception. <laughs> this is silly. I'm and, on him. And, and he's actually a whiz on Excel, by the way. So uh, uh, so if you're looking for an intern, uh, and he's a photographic memory, I think, as well, but uh, uh, wow. uh, one of these phenomenal humans on one level. That young 22-year-old or 21-year-old are out of school, uh, when I say high school, and um, what what um, what are you looking for in that that underwriter of the future or now the underwriter of now? What are you looking for in that human? In terms of the the underwriter of the future, it's really understanding the power of what you have at your disposal and being able to to utilize that, take advantage of these tools, and evolve with that. You know, you you. Um, I always like to say you can't drive into the future looking in your rearview mirror. That's not just true about data and technology. It's also true about the way we think. We have to be thinking about what's coming at us from around the corner and not what's happened behind us in our business. Insurance historically has always looked backwards to get its data source for the future. We don't have to do that anymore. We can start thinking about where the world is going instead of where, where it's been. You want people that think that way. 
You want people that understand how to take advantage of the tools, see around the corners, understand where risk is going, help their clients out, understand what risk they're actually taking when they take a risk. These kinds of dynamics are part of the evolving way that we, as human beings, work with new technology. Because otherwise, this new technology, if you just keep doing what you were doing before, will replace you. Because if it's, if it's a routine process, why not have the machine do it instead of a human? What humans add to it is the dimension of thought, the dimension of intellectually evaluating uh, where things are going as opposed to where they've been and using these tools to help you do it. So it sounds like uh, my daughter, got a first class honors in history, could make a good underwriter because she has that mindset to, to look backwards, but also look forwards and bring backwards going forwards. So the type of young, younger people, are you specific around maybe a discipline of education or, or do you have a preference? I'm just curious to. So I think, I think of education in a number of different ways, but not in terms of you have to have a specific education to be an underwriter, unless it's something like our M&A business where you know, legal background is, uh, is basically a requirement because you're reading contracts. But maybe at some point, you know, the, the technology <clears throat> will be reading the contracts and providing a lot of what the lawyer aspect does today. I, you know, these are developments, you know, that are still to come, uh, but will clearly take advantage of the, um, the underwriter's uh, requirements. I, I think, coming back to your point, Education is important more in terms of how it trains you to think more than the specifics of the particular subject matter. I've been um, very involved with George Washington University. I've chaired their business school board. I think this is the 27th year. Um, and I work a lot with the younger people in terms of mentoring and helping directionally. I've endowed the career center, you know, done different things, you know, to engage with and give back through that vehicle. And um, I will tell you that the mindset today that you work with with young people is really focused on doing things that haven't been done before. Entrepreneurship is on the rise. You know, at Mosaic, we believe we have and we are working on and created a entrepreneurial culture based upon ownership. And that to me helps to capture the power of the young people's minds today and, and the kind of <clears throat> training and people that you want to work with because they're very focused on leveraging their ability to think in laterally as well as, uh, you know, in terms of IQ. They have, they're working hard on EQ, you know, the ability to work with people and and EQ, if you think about it, is going to be the great complement to what artificial intelligence that we were talking about before and new technology generally brings to the table, because that's the one thing that will take the longest for any you know, machine learning to, to, to grasp. And that uh, young people have a tremendous advantage in being able to think that way and have grown up in an environment of, you know, of rapid change and rapid change in technology and how to take advantage of it, you know, whether it's on their phones or coming up on their glasses or whatever is the chips that are going to be in our neck and wherever that goes. Gosh, yeah, no, no, you're right there. I, I'm just curious. So that 22-year-old graduate, uh, for, for them moving through 
the first three to four years of their career job-wise. Have you any advice? I mean, besides, you know, uh, get off at the wrong stop and you'll be fine, uh, which I think is just brilliant uh, uh, from your own, your own uh, decision back all those years ago. But what, what do you think? I mean, I, mean you, I think you've touched the points with the EQ uh, that, that building their, their different lenses uh, and their different tastes and their different ability and understanding what's in front of them and understanding the people that's in front of them. And here, as, I, I can't remember, was it you who said some sort of, we, we have two ears and one mouth in that sense to, to uh, and that's why we have two ears. So from the point of view of them moving, so they go into a job, say you have a young underwriter, they're going to do cyber, they're maybe four to five years in it. What, what, what advice would you give them moving forward? Do they stay in that? Do they move out to it? Do they grow? So I'm going to tell you my number one advice because it's, it's in today's world, somehow it became somewhat controversial. Um, and my number one advice is go to the office. Um, be, and, I, and I'm using office just as the, you know, a moniker for the idea of relationships, work with people, understand and learn from experienced people, shadow uh, people that are doing what you're doing that have been doing it for longer, um, you know, get mentored, uh, build relationships, have lunches with people, go out uh, to events, you know, in integrate yourself into the relationship aspect of whatever your your interests are, because that's where you will learn things that are not available on a screen. You know, it's it's I'm using the office as just the, you know, kind of a symbol for the fact that you need to make relationships and you can't do that from home unless you want to be a dog trainer or something that, you know, fits into a lifestyle where, you know, you, you can do it within 20 feet of your home. Um, it, it's, it's very difficult to form those kind of relationships any other way than getting out and being with people. And of course, the pandemic has you know, put a major uh, crimp on that and, and stymied a lot of people's growth because of it. But now if you can get out and if you have this opportunity, you should seize it. Well, that, that makes sense because people by people, and we're social, we're social beings. That's what we've been, we've been brought up with, hotwired. And without that, you know, you, you, you create, make yourself a commodity. And if you make yourself a commodity, eventually you'll be replaced by the, the, the machine, as we say. You know, the technology will do what you do because you're not adding any additional value from a relationship standpoint. That's good. And, and, and doing business for you, um, or what's my question? You're getting out of bed in the morning. What, what kind of feeds, puts the fire in the belly? So doing business, working with people, doing the deals, you've been very, very successful. What's the fun part of it for you? It, it comes back to the people. Uh, I, I love working with people. I love learning from people. I love surrounding myself with people that are smart and um, aggressive, energetic, happy people that want to make things happen. Um, you know, they're all a lot smarter than me and they have, you know, energy and desires. And when you mix it all together and you can be a part of that, it's a very, it's a very rewarding personal satisfaction that you get from making things happen with other people. And then you are part of that. And if you're lucky enough to be a leader of it, even better. But just being a part of it is what you know, I excites me every single day. I, I don't miss a day in the office because it's a chance to 
learn from other people and be with other people and make things happen together. So every day is kind of a school day. I don't like using that word, but it's a learning day. It's a fun day. And someone, it could be the person who you get the coffee from. It's not necessarily about the dynamics of this. Oh, no, yeah, it's exactly. And, I, you know, I've spoken at GW, you know, commencement and things like that. And I, and I always say to the young people, I said, well, you know, the most important thing you need in business, you learned very, very early in school. And that is how to raise your hand. So when opportunities come up to take on a, a challenge, even if you know nothing about it, even if you think it's a called a menial task, volunteer for it, get it done, be a part of the solution. And if you, if you get things done, people will go to you and then you become a go-to person and opportunities will come your way. Uh, it, it's not complicated formula, but, you know, opportunities all around us, we just have to seize it. That's good, and, and for that young person, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm quite a bit, a little bit younger than you. Not be afraid to ask the stupid question because that's how you clarify things, isn't it? If you don't know, yeah, of course. You know, I, I you know, it's, it, it's an old saying because it makes sense. Um, it, you know, if you are think that you're struggling with an, an area uh, that is being discussed, ask about it. Because most likely everyone around you is also having the same struggle. And that will give you an advantage of, you know, not trying to navigate from the darkness, but to shine a light on uh, the area that you're trying to understand and develop. But networking in today's world, how, how, how do you define it? And I think you've touched on it about being in the room, talking to people, putting your hand up. But just curious how, how for that 22 or 23-year-old, how might they do it? Because some, some people are afraid to do it or they want to do it by text or by TikTok or by, you know, it, it's, it's getting out in front of somebody. How would, you, how, would you, how would you advise them? Well, I will say that, you know, I would have said um, from my olden days, you know, we were happy to have the invention of the telephone. Uh, that was a good start. And, you know, telephones evolved and, it, you know, and, and, you know, to email and email has now evolved to social media and social media has now evolved to, you know, very um, uh, interactive apps that, you know, whether you're talking about TikTok or Instagram or what have you and Twitter. And, and I think you have to use all mediums available to you. But in the end, you know, what's the most important thing that for networking? It's called FaceTime. And I don't mean what you do on your phone. Getting time with people face to face is still has the strongest impact and result return on time and investment. That's number one. Now, having a virtual meeting is great. Uh, you know, making sure you're connecting social media dots and you know, you know these new apps and you know email and follow ups and all those things are protocols are good. But if you can get time with somebody face to face that will create an opportunity almost 90% of the time. And it's just believing that and not being afraid of rejection. Is that maybe an issue for some people? The world is all about rejection and failure, isn't it? I mean, if you have a success at something, you think you're pretty good at it. You're not even sure why you had a success. You fail at something, you study it, you analyze it, you learn from that, and you, next time you do it differently. So, 
you know, rejection, failure, all those kinds of things that have that negative connotation are part of navigating life. And without them, uh, you won't know how you get from, you know, point A to point B. With them, you're thinking about getting through the entire alphabet. Gotcha. Makes sense. How do you switch down? Or, 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 or it sounds like you enjoy work, so maybe you don't need to switch down. You know, just because mindfulness and workplace stress and all these great things, which are which are are a reality to some people. I'm just curious, what 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 gives you the laugh? Or we say in Ireland a bit of crack. I'm not sure I could use that in the US a US uh, frame. It's fun, by the way, uh, uh, in Gaelic. But um, well, I'll tell you this. You know, one thing is you have to have your values right, both personally and in business. And at Mosaic, our, 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 we have three simple values. Be bold, work together, and have fun. And I think if you follow those three things in business, you're navigating stress at the same time. Afraid to do things. You work together. You have teamwork, people working together, and then having fun. And having fun should not be understated. That's a core value because... If you don't enjoy what you're doing, if you don't take advantage of the relationships around you, if you don't do those things, eventually, eventually um, it wears you down and it's that stress point cuts in. But if you think of everything as having, having fun as an under underbelly uh, of that work, it, it, it takes a lot of the stress out. The other thing I, you know, I believe in is, you know, get your exercise. Uh, try to work out every day in some form or fashion, you know, uh, and take in the beauty of Bermuda in my case. Uh, why not? It's gorgeous and uh, it helps clear your mind. That's good. I was thinking of you last uh, Thursday when I was in St. Anton. and We're in this bar on St. Patrick's Day on the 17th and there was a guy playing a guitar and the community there. First time I'd been in, in the, the COVID, this wide community of people I know. So we had about 30 medics and all north of 60. And we had we had seen young people and we had some people in between and with a couple of kids and the electricity from that sing song. And with some of the older guys, which would laugh at this in their 70s, and they were dancing up on the tables and doing everything. And they got more injuries from dancing the table than they did for the six day skiing. But the fun and the laughter and the joy and the energy that just vibrated, if you could bottle it and set, not sell it, but give it away. It was just gorgeous. Yep, And that, that's exactly the point. And that's why these core values and the way you think about a company like Mosaic, you know, you want to create that ambiance where the power of dancing on the table is that energy that you're generating is brought together in a common cause and you harness that and you, and you use it to really build a business and, a, and an environment and a culture that gets things done and, and moves you forward. It's very sure. exciting. Energizing. Sure. I, 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 now I'm thinking about it. I feel energized again. Uh, now we, there were a few beers as well, I could say, but that, that also probably facilitated just, just a little bit. Nothing wrong uh, with that either. <laughs> two, two, two final questions. Did, did you have mentors or, or did you have mentors through your career or did you know what a mentor was early in your career or did you like, like the, the juxtaposition of getting off the wrong stop? Did, did they just present to you? So it's a bit of both. Uh, in anyone's career, but I was very fortunate. My years at, at Marsh, I, I had um, a mentor named Bob Clements, who um, is famous in Bermuda for having started Ace and XL, um, Arch, Mid-Ocean, uh, really the insurance business of Bermuda 
beyond captive was he was the the grandfather of all that or the father of all that depending on how you want to age it um yeah and and he was my mentor at marsh and a good friend and i was so fortunate to have him and when we started ironshore he was you know the founding investor and and chairman of the board so i had the benefit of working with him in that in that initiative for example um and i've i've had um, probably some other mentors before him at Marsh when I first joined. Uh, you, you should start every day by thinking about, you know, the opportunity to learn something and, be, and end the day by having felt enriched by some learning opportunity. That's, that's uh, very, very, um, very apt and very simple, actually. In a, in a, people say it can't be that simple, but it, that's... Because if it's complicated... It's way beyond me. <laughs> I just <laughs> simple dumb it down and work through the day. If you had your time again and you didn't uh, 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 take take that accounting job, looking back, what, what might you have liked to have done? Would you be a, a quarterback or a basketball <laughs> player or a, a bar owner or a nightclub impresario? I'm just you know everybody has that kind of gosh. I wish I was that. You know that fantasy. Per se, I, I think I would have always been uh, something to do with deal making, and it could have been investment banking. It could have been, um, you know, some type of uh, private equity world. It could have been um, something where you know, because deal making is kind of what I'm wired for, and I just feel like in any kind of setting where that's important. Um, I would. It would be an environment that I can thrive in. I, I just came to me. I hope I, I, I said I could see you sometimes owning this emporium where people are coming in, their energy's down, they're flash, and they go in there, and it's like being plugged in to, to the <laughs> grid. Uh, whatever you do to them, they come out. They're like boom, they're ready to go. You exactly. Know? Well, I, that that's that would be another opportunity. I wouldn't mind having a club like that, you know, where uh, you came in and it was like, uh, you know, maybe I'd call it high spirits, you know, and um, you, you, you'd start off, you know, um, whatever that, that was dragging you down from your day and you'd leave dancing on the tables, as you call it, you know, totally energized. That's the way. Five words describe your career to date. I think there's a bit more to come. There's probably another chapter or two, just the way you're wired, but maybe today, what would you say? Five words, if you, if you, or three words. Well, first of all, I'd say uh, very fortunate and blessed to be able to have the, had the opportunities that I have, and um, and blessed to be able to to seize those opportunities uh, when they were made available. It's, I, you know, I think we all have opportunity in some form or another. But positioning ourselves to seize that opportunity, seize the moment, is really what gives you an advantage over others. You, you cannot wait for it to come to you. You really have to seize the moment and, um, uh, and not be afraid to do so. So have the courage of your convictions and take advantage of every, every moment of life. By the way, life is too short, so <laughs> there's no other way to go. Oh, that, that's a wonderful way to, to finish, Mitch. Thank you very much. They're really lovely words uh, to finish with. I love the softness as well, how you 
how you display those words because they're very close to you, obviously. Uh, but I want to thank you so much for coming on the Career Scoop. I'm sure whoever listens to this will take a few uh, a few pointers out of it. And uh, it, it really is much, we appreciate your time. It's my pleasure and nice seeing you again. Okay, mind yourself. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Career Scoop, brought to you by Elevate Career Advice and Elevate Executive Selection, Dublin and Bermuda. I'm James Fitzsimons, and I hope you've enjoyed this thing. Make sure to tune in for next week's episode.